Hey, do you enjoy Geeks of Grimdark? Do you wish we produced more Warhammer content? Well, check out our ongoing series with this week's sponsor, Shooting the Shit with Chippa. Axel and I have a reoccurring series with host Chris Shipman, where we introduce him to 40k factions, one at a time. And once you're all caught up with that, check out all the rest of his amazing interviews on your favorite podcasting site today. Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good energy in this The Darkest Timeline. I'm Lord Commander Orc, and with me as always is... His shield brother, Axel Wright. How's it going today, man? I am ill. <laughs> yeah, you sound ill. Yeah, I've been ill for the last two days. I worked from home uh, yesterday and today, and right now my throat's fine, but my head feels hot and my nose is stuffy. So I'm going to be probably low energy this time. Let's see how this goes. Oh boy. Now we just uh, narrowly skirted serious flu here. Took Slagathor down. The child and I were fine, but. Uh, well, as long as the child's fine, it's all good. Yeah, no, it's still. I mean, we're what, three years into the pandemic and it's still like, fuck, I'm sick. Am I normal sick or COVID sick? Yeah, I should probably take a COVID test specifically. Uh, I don't think that's what it is because, from my understanding of what COVID symptoms are, it doesn't feel like it, but. I probably will get a test taken before I go back to work in person, you know, just for safety. Yeah, if only for your own state of mind. Yeah. I'm reasonably certain that it's just a cold, but still. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's enough of this exciting talk. Let's roll on into our patrons sound off. These are the wonderful, wonderful people that continue to support this show to bring it to you. They are Pam Yelly, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Gelly, Cook, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vay, Brendan Agnew, John Vinnels, Kit Kenny, Seth Decker, Donald Lucy, Patrick Anderson, Carson Mel, Scott Rubin, Derek Takata, and Peter Cook. Now, if you'd like to join that illustrious season, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Geeks with Shields. 25 cents an episode is a dollar a month. That is all we ask to keep this show free to you, our wonderful listeners. And if you've been following us for the last three or four, I don't know how many weeks, then you know that it's ooh, Lord of the Rings month. I think at time of release, not time of recording, but doesn't matter. This hey. this will be the end of Lord of the Rings month. Exactly. So you already know what's up, kind of. What what's our Lord of the Rings s conversation today? <clears throat> <laughs> we are going to discuss. We've kind of, we've kind of talked around this in other episodes, but the basically we're going to talk about where are all the other epic fantasy movies. And since I kind of don't agree with the premise, at least on paper, define epic fantasy movies for this context. So you and I both lived through the post Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter success. Yeah. And we got Narnia and we got uh, Aragon and we got a couple others, you know, trying to copy that formula. Mm -hmm. But it feels like we've hit a dry streak since then in that there's not any other big fantasy movies based on fantasy ips like we talked about before like where's the warhammer movie I mean, we got the warcraft movie but the less said about that probably the better yeah but again what do you mean by big in this context i mean i type in epic fantasy movie and i see the green knight pops right up and that was what last year and that feels like that's arthurian legend epic fantasy movie that's pretty straightforward i even see something like eternals listed here which as far as the mcu is concerned that was pretty much an epic fantasy movie a monster calls 
Uh, what, what else do I got down here? Avatar is getting a sequel this year, as much as I don't like, or next year, whatever. As much as I don't like Avatar, I think it fits the bill. So what are we talking? If you were stocking movies at your local video rental store, where would you put Eternals? Would you put it in fantasy or superhero? Well, I wouldn't have... If I were running the store, I wouldn't have a superhero one because I don't consider superhero a genre. But that's a conversation we've already had. So Put the pedantic pants away. I, that's not pedantic. That's just me, how I deal with genres. Yeah, I would I consider Eternals a fantasy. So... Your video store would not be successful because people are going, uh, where's your genre? We don't really believe in genres here. No, we use genres correctly here. <laughs> Anyways, I will take over. What I am saying is, if you were to walk into a blockbuster, a family video, a whatever movie rental, and there was a quote-unquote fantasy section, we're not getting a lot of movies that would fit the traditional definition of set in a magical world, Typically based in European fantasy style tropes. Uh, movie would fit alongside Harry Potter's, The Lord of the Rings, the Narnia's, the what have you's. Green Knight. Yeah, Green, I'm discounting Green anything Knight, from Green I'm Knight, discounting Green. anything from A24. No, no, you can't do that. A24 is fucking yes, amazing. So how do you discount anything from A24? A24 is a movie operating on a very small budget and a very narrow release for a very small segment of the movie going uh, public. And for the purposes of this conversation, if we want to open that one, then we have to start talking about all the movies coming out of the rest of the world. We're talking about the big Hollywood summer blockbusters that fit in the vein of Lord of the Rings. Again, I feel like Green Knight does fit in that, though. That's why I don't think... Not, not okay. counting it. So I think I also think in twenty two years. I also think Rava fits uh, Raya and the Last Dragon fits into it. I also <laughs> think that Three Thousand Years of Longing fits into it. Like Okay, no one saw either of those movies though. That's so that's talking about popularity, not whether a good salt like movie fits in the genre or not. And I'm also saying in terms of classification, Raya would get lumped in with the Disney fair. And I mean Disney's doing epic Disney's keeping all the genres alive. And I can't comment to 3,000 Years of Longing without having seen it. So, let me narrow it down even further and give you the very most base parameters. Where are the movies that are based on a fictional book series about a fantasy world that have big epic set pieces and cost over $100 million to produce and were seen by people that would reasonably have followed the success of Lord of the Rings? I... I, I was following you until you brought up budget and, like, people seeing it, which I feel like are very s strenuous, like, things. Because there are a lot of good fantasy movies that were done on, you know, not good budgets, so... Oh, yeah, no, and we can talk about those, like A Gone But Not Forgotten or a whole other one. But basically being, if Lord of the Rings was successful and popular, why didn't anyone ever capitalize on that success? I mean, I would argue they did. That's kind of why I can list all these movies. They're just not... Just because they're not made on the same budget or the same success doesn't mean that they're not in the same genre and successful. Saying something has to be the same success and money as Lord of the Rings in order to fit in this category means that, guess what? There's only going to be three movies in this category. Lord of the Rings. That's it. And then the question becomes, why wasn't anyone else... If there was an obvious audience for it... Because why... nothing... But that the reason I disagree with it is because nothing is going to like top that. It's just it's not like the number. I'm not of... saying it has to top that. I'm saying why did it take us so long to get a Witcher series when Lord of the Rings showed that fantasy is popular? But see, why that's... Are just now getting 
That's a fair question. That's a different question, though. Like, why did it take so long to make The Witcher? Okay. And I'd say that one's largely because The Witcher's a book series was con considerably underground before The Witcher video games basically made them a thing. And even then, really only the third Witcher game made it big. This so. is all true, but this is not... How do I make that a title that people will actually click on? I don't know. I'm just saying that, that, that from right now, your premise to my perspective seems to be how come there's not other lord of the rings movies and that's because they made three lord of the rings movies now they've made a bunch of fantasy movies since then that were not lord of the rings which is fine folks we had a guest picked out for this that was going to help with this topic <laughs> but that guest flaked on us really hard and now i'm stuck arguing with my co-host about the pedantics of titling and figuring out what the hell this goddamn topic is well no i wouldn't say it's it's because it's, it's one of those questions that reminds me of the is genre dead or blah, blah, blah. And those questions tend to be usually coming from the wrong place or usually they're looking at things in the wrong place. So that's why because I'm like... You looked at this it. list and picked this one out quickly and immediately on the title of where are the other epic fantasy movies and knew what we were talking about. Yeah, and my response is they're there. They're getting released. People just don't seem interested in going to see them as much because okay. they're not based on the great, like the most famous book of all time so let let let's let, let's try and find a, a starting point do you read fantasy at all is that like a series a book type that you consider yourself yeah. reading yeah okay what are books that you think are right for adaptation from the fantasy genre the old kingdom trilogy what is that the old kingdom trilogy is is it garth nix uh let me let me look up the, the author real quick uh yeah, Garth Nix. Okay, so the Old Kingdom trilogy is about this uh, fictional world where there's, like, this continent, and there's this wall on the continent in, like, the middle of it, and everything below the wall functions like Victorian-era England, like, roughly Industrial Revolution, just kind of early that, but there's no magic. But above the wall, technology doesn't work, but there's magic. And particularly the kind of magic that exists is necromancy. And necromancers actually use these like this bandolier of bells, where seven bells each represents a different layer of death. And then there's this other special necromancer called the Aborsen, who uses the same kind of magic to fight evil necromancers. And the first book's basically just a straight, pulpy adventure story about the Aborsen fighting evil necromancer named uh, Karagor, if I remember correctly. And then the second and third movie are based or book <laughs> are basically about the next generation the next person to become the Aborsen, figuring it out, and and then fighting, like, essentially necromancy devil, so. Okay, I think I follow. It's just a fun, fun little trilogy. Simple pulp fiction. And then to answer your question that is implied, why do you think it's not, like, a movie yet? And I would just say because I don't think it's very well known. The, the source material isn't very well known, so. Yeah, okay. That's something I think we can kind of dig in on, is... Does it have to be necessarily well-known? Like, how much of a factor is that? Because, again, we saw in the post-success of Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter, they just rushed out any conceivable, vaguely popular fantasy movie that kind of fit the bill. Oh, it's got swords, it's got sorceries, it's got young protagonists, and most of them were bad, which is, again, its own other separate conversation. I would say that it depends on 
the nature of the question, and I'm not trying to be pedantic. I'm just saying that if the question is, does it have to be well-known in order to be adapted, then the answer is absolutely no. There are, hell, 3,000 Years of Longing was an adaptation of a book, and I didn't know that until afterwards, and I went and looked it up. Yeah, because, so, I mean, but, a few years ago, Netflix bought, like, a bunch of obscure, semi-known properties. Yeah, the Shinar Chronicles had a... Had oh, that one crashed and burned, though. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying that it was an example of something that I didn't know about that was apparently a well-known fantasy series that... Yeah, shows that me. one's pretty popular. Yeah, but anyway, but the answer to the other question, does it... Because it doesn't need to be popular to be adapted, but does it need to be popular for someone to choose to adapt it? Different question. And that's pretty much, yeah. Because you need someone you know, a studio behind it, and they're not going to do it unless they have some sort of understanding that there is already an audience for it, essentially. Yeah, and I mean, it is interesting to note that most of our big epic fantasy is coming in the form of television series, not movies. Well, since Game of Thrones basically wrote the new book, so. Yeah, and I mean, maybe that's kind of what teed it off, is there was a big hot minute after, you know, when Lord of the Rings was striking hot, everyone tried to get the next Lord of the Rings, and no one really succeeded. I mean, I know some people really like uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and it's okay. The Narnia movies are okay. Yeah, just, But yeah. Narnia is not Lord of the Rings. I mean, Percy Jackson got a couple movies, right? Now that he's getting a television show, so... Yeah, that's like, those movies, I don't know how they did financially, but I know they were not critically well-received. Hell, we got... Or... This year, we got an adaptation of The Sandman, something that I didn't think we'd see anytime soon. So. Yeah, so we're definitely seeing these being adapted and taken to screen to you know TVs, and which is interesting because the idea is you need these cinematic budgets to do these big epic moments, but they're all being done on small screens for streaming services, which is an interesting thing. And I kind of wonder, yeah, was but, it just? But keep in mind that, and while I still stand by, you don't need a big budget to do a good fantasy. A lot of these shows that are good adaptations, again, they're stealing mostly from the Game of Thrones playbook, which had an average budget of, what, $4.5 million an episode? Something like that. And, I mean, we look at... I watched the first two episodes of Rings of Power, and you can tell that's an expensive show. Yeah, and, that's in a stupid high budget. Yeah, and I haven't seen The Sandman, but I've seen some clips, and it looks like they put their money where their mouth is there. Yeah, so. Sandman's pretty good. So, I mean, they're spending cumulatively close to you know small scale movie budgets so i i I don't know was it just the repeated failure to launch with so many properties post you know lord of the rings like aragon didn't really do what they wanted and they kept trying to shape narnia into what they wanted but then that kept topping studios honestly man fantasy is just kind of in the same boat i think as westerns right now where it still exists they're just not the d predominant genre so you only get one or two a year and at least that are memorable like maybe there's others being made yeah well i do wonder if that's kind of the thing like we talked about game of thrones kicked down the door to kind of get people to go oh maybe i do like this epic high fantasy but it was also such a big thing it sucked all the air out of the room a little bit and now we're kind of getting it back, and we have a new Game of Thrones series. We have a new Lord of the Rings series. We have uh, the, the Wheel Witcher. of Time. The Witcher's still we have going. The Witcher. So, are we are we just getting like this build up to an eventual return? Are yeah, we ever honestly, gonna see? Honestly, man, when you put it out like that on paper, and I think about it, I feel like there's more fantasy 
good fantasy shows out right now than I can keep track of. Yes. So no, there's a bunch, and there's this weird resurgence. And I just I don't know if the Game of Thrones really kind of proved to people that oh, actually fantasy is cool, and maybe like the rise of popularity of D and D and D and D kind of getting away. Oh hell, we got the D and D movie coming too. That's gonna that fits in the category pretty well. Yeah, no, D and D fits squarely in the epic slash high fantasy movie. Maybe that's what I should have leveled with. If I had said, where are the other high fantasy epic movies, would that have helped? Uh, I still would have put Green Knight in there. I think you're looking for... I don't know what terminology you're looking for, so it's hard for me to say. I don't know. No, and I don't want to discredit Green Knight because, no, it did check off a lot of these boxes, but it was also produced by a micro studio for a micro budget for a micro audience. That is definitely, I think, underselling. Like, do you know what other stuff A24 has done? They've done a ridiculous number of movies. Yes, they do, but they do it on a very small budget and in the grand scheme of things are not seen by nearly the amount of people as any other big blockbuster. I disagree with that. I mean, maybe that was the case a few years ago, but after Moonlight got Best Picture, A24 is very much in the... The fact that A24 has, like, its own... It's a studio that basically has its own, like, understanding of the kind of movies it makes. That's not something you see in basically any other studio. I'm not knocking A24. I'm not not saying you're not. I'm I'm just saying that they make so many quite good movies i mean they made everything ever all at once this year which is fucking amazing yeah and that's getting, surprising yeah and admittedly it's 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 wasn't getting a lot of attention first but it's getting more attention over time by word of mouth so well let me phrase it like this to kind of think, would you put an a24 movie up same day as an avengers movie yes you're gonna get really? an, you're definitely gonna get an audience of the people who don't care much for avengers anyway so a24 has got a really good kind of cult status thing going on right now hell Everything Everywhere All Once came out, like, within a month of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse. And I went on record to be like, yeah, this is way better than Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Now, admittedly, it lost... Northman? Northman? Um, yeah, who put up the Northman? I don't know. Is that... Is that a... Is that a 24? I don't think it is. I don't think it... It might be. Because Northman got destroyed by the Nicolas Cage movie. Uh, the Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which is pretty good. Uh, it was okay. It was my. It's pretty low on my list, but I don't know. I, I'm looking at the wiki page for now. I can't. Distributed by Focus Features and Universal Pictures is the Northman. Okay. Well, no, I think Northman fits in this category and kind of maybe goes to the other part of audiences aren't showing up for epic fantasy movies. I guess it's really funny because I don't put Northman in this kind of category because Northman feels more like a period drama to me than an epic fantasy so i don't know it, it straddles that line because it goes i mean there's the fight with the draugr there's the valkyrie there's all the crazy insanity yeah but everything in that movie is very it makes it very clear that all that those fantasy things could be not real could be yes. dreams or hallucinations i 100 agree with that and i kind of wish it hadn't done that i wish it had leaned into the insanity and just said no this is the world accept it or don't yeah I don't know. Anyway, so, didn't mean a sidebar. It, the Northman's just a weird one for me because I love Hamlet. Like, literally, it's my favorite Shakespearean play, so I wish I would have liked the Northman more because Viking Hamlet, but eh, whatever. So. I still find it interesting that, you know, it wasn't Hamlet enough for you, so that was your take. Well, I'm not sure what your takeaway is. Yeah, no, it's not. My take is not that it wasn't Hamlet enough. It was definitely Hamlet enough. My take was that it was dull. <laughs> I. I don't know. I feel a fundamental difference here because, like, I loved it. But I also admit I loved it 
for reasons that are entirely alien to you. I guess. I mean, I thought that I love anything Willem Dafoe does, so him as the <coughs> crazy shaman was great. Ethan Hawke's a great actor. Uh, Skarsgård is... Is it Skarsgård? It's a Skarsgård. Yeah, he does a fine job. He's got great stations. Anna Taylor-Joy is basically a born star at this point. So, like, a bunch of great actors and doing a story that I know I love. Why does everything feel like it's just overly portentous it, it it felt like when i was watching dune same thing where i was like there's okay. just no fun in this so. now dune dune is classified as sci-fi but i feel like it takes way more from lord of the rings mythic fantasy style storytelling i mean kind of uh, dune is basically pre game of thrones game of thrones it has that same kind of houses fighting and political maneuvering kind of thing going on i I will be upfront. I never read Dune. I tried to read it. It's, I, it's dense and boring. I couldn't stand the fact that they kept changing first-person perspectives, like mid-paragraph. That was driving me crazy. So, so I don't know. I respect Dune because I know that it has a huge impact on a lot of sci-fi. I do like, but I don't know enough about it to say. And I don't know if Dune really drew the numbers. Uh, I know that a lot of people loved it. A lot of critics loved it, especially. Which again, it's one of those things where like I didn't like it, but that's okay. It's not for me. So. Yeah. I don't know. So I think we're kind of finding an interesting point of discussion, interesting gauge, and it's why are people lining up to watch like all of the big fantasy shows right now are doing good numbers? People love them. Also, why... I want to be very clear. There's a there's a pedantic separation between sci-fi and fantasy that doesn't really yes. need to exist. So Except nerds love categories. Yeah, because example, Star Wars is a fantasy movie. It's also a sci-fi movie. Yes, I'm one of those Trek fans that's like, oh, hard sci-fi, blah, blah, blah. But still, it's it's both. It can be both. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, no. There's a strong segment of nerds that love Star Trek and say they hate magic. And then it's like, okay, but I'm pretty sure... Like, the science tracks through for the most part. But there's some wiggly-biggly in certain bits that's just like, I don't think that's how that would work. Well, besides the fact, because Star Trek has straight-up magic in it, like, frequently. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know enough about Star Trek to wait well, let me, into let that me, one. Well, quickly, anyone who wants to counter that, just, there's a character named Q, and he's literally an omnipotent super being who can snap his fingers and rewrite anything in reality that he wants. He's a magic god character. There's no way around that. So. I don't know. Nerds and categorizing. I get it. I get why we do it. Categorizing is fun, but like many things in Pause. ephemera. I... Anyways, get us back on track. Okay. Why is it people are showing up to watch these big epic sword clashing series one after the other when there's so much, but they aren't going to the movies for it? Uh, um. Well, The Hobbit not doing well probably made i mean the hobbit did very well like it was not critically well received but people came out in force for all three of those movies yes but i think that was one of those situations where they didn't come out in the kind of force that the studio wanted i don't know well the it's it's never in the way the studio wanted yeah but those are the kind of things that will affect if a studio goes for other decisions going forward i'm not asking why they're not getting made i'm saying why when they're made audiences don't tend to show up for them Oh, okay. Uh, is there still a stigma around fantasy? No, I, I feel think... I feel like there is, but I... it's lessening. I don't think there's a stigma. I think that it's just that that's not what's in the zeitgeist right now. That the general Maybe. populace is not. Again, it's it's just like what is in vogue currently. I mean, 
I still think it's interesting to me that Wizards of the Coast chose to greenlit the D&D movie as it is rather than go, this is part one in the Drizzt Duerden, you know, truly cinematic universe. Because that's a setting that people know. That's a character that's beloved. That's a book series that's been going on for fucking ever. Yeah. And they went the direction they went. I mean, you're not wrong, but I do think that there is a certain amount of obscureness to Drists that gets overlooked by people in the D&D community. Like, I'm in the D&D community, and I recognize Drists' importance, but he's still very, very obscure, all things considered. So, Well, even then, why did they choose... Our, if I mean, why didn't they just choose to do a straight-up fantasy set in their own universe to push more D&D? I mean, doesn't that what they're doing? That seems to be exactly what they're doing. doing uh, it feels more like a comedy with the like lightest layer of this is what everyone knows about D and D with jokes piled on. It's a comedy wearing the skin of. I mean, I don't see why that's a problem. I mean, I'm, I'm, not people... saying, I'm not saying it's a problem. I'm just saying why did they choose to go the broadest possible route rather than you know, hey, we are we are we are a fantasy company that produces a fantasy game. We're going to make a big epic Lord of the Rings style fantasy movie instead of. Let's take a generic comedy, but dress it up funny. Well, okay, first of all, I think that's not fair. But second of all, I would say because doing a straightforward, like, serious kind of sword and sorcery kind of story, I think would not be honest and would not be a real adaptation of what D&D is. Like, my problem literally with that movie is I think they should have gone all the way and had it literally be about a group of people playing D&D like the gamers Darkness Rising did instead of trying to set it within their within their fictional world so i think they're not going far enough honestly see then i'd come back around like if it was a lego movie reveal and like all the jokes and weirdness could have been you know oh these are people playing around a table that would have you know totally got me on board like okay cool this actually makes sense rather than what they're doing right now which feels like they're embarrassed to be doing a D movie i don't know i just know that that's one of those cases where if they had done it without being a comedy, I feel like that wouldn't be an honest adaptation of what Dungeons & Dragons is as a property. It's a big, dumb fantasy world with monsters and shit. Exactly. How is that a dishonest version of... So adapt it big, dumb, and funny-like. I didn't say funny. I said big, dumb, and full of monsters. Yeah, and I'm saying that it is a big, dumb, funny setting. So adapt it big, dumb, and funny. I feel like the humor is varies group to group, but I have never had a successful D&D campaign and I refuse to play D&D. Whereas you're talking to someone who has two concurrent games for years going now. Like, just say, I'm not not claiming to be the E word or anything, but I'm just saying I've got a little more, you know, context here. So, Axel Wright claims all D&D games are laugh riots. You heard it here, folks. I would say that any D&D game... Nothing but jokes and quips. I've played Call of Cthulhu, and it still ended up with jokes and quips. So, and that's Eldritch Horror. If you're not making jokes, you're not playing right. Not true. (laughs) There is no wrong way to play, and the fact that there are people who told you that there's a wrong way to play means that they were assholes. So. Well, yes, there's no argument about that. Which but... is why it's all about who you play with. But the point is that the camaraderie of the D&D experience is integral. Now, how 
that will come through depends on your particular friends group but that is like a literal integral part of what makes the experience what it is so literally if i'm watching a DD movie and i'm not mostly feeling a vibe of, of a group of people who are friends with each other acting like friends with each other then that's not gonna feel like DD to me it'll feel like well maybe something like more like lord of the rings but then in that case i you're why are you making a DD movie then at all this episode has no structure. <laughs> I went from being mildly pissed at our guest to back to being extremely pissed that they... We really needed a guest on this one. <laughs> we needed someone that had a central through line. Yeah. It's just that in that that's a specific case where if you're adapting a property that is similar to other properties and you're not adapting the thing that makes that property unique, then why are you doing it in the first place? That's to serve an audience that has been neglected since the last Lord of the Rings. Movie. Then you make the other movie that fits what you're trying to do. But they aren't making the other movie. That's the point. I would say that, that it's the opposite. You're trying to kind of shove D and D into this thing that you want that you're starved for when it it doesn't really fit that. Instead, you should be looking at other things like the King Killer Chronicles or the Old Kingdom trilogy or Del Toro Quest. These are properties closer to like what you're talking about. I'm just saying, D&D is a huge fucking property at the moment, and the only version of D&D we are getting is a comedy. Yeah, which is the most honest adaptation of the material. I need to see the numbers. Seriously, anyway. if you're a D&D person and you play regularly, comment, let us know. I need to know the numbers. Which way does your D&D skew? Is it more serious epic fantasy, or is it more Harmon Quest? <laughs> I love Harmon Quest. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not bashing on Harmon Quest, but I need to know which way. Ulrich, dude, goes. no matter what, you just look at Critical Role, literally the most popular D and D thing in the world. Right That's now. the thing. See, I've listened to Critical Role. I listen to a good amount of Critical Role, and maybe it changes in later seasons. But the Critical Role I listened to was not the Critical Role that was pitched to me by Vox Machina. <laughs> Uh, that's because Vox Machina is basically pulling out... You're literally shortening four-hour sessions or more down to 20 minutes. So they're pulling yeah, out I the individual that. parts. But when I listened to Critical Role, this was like, oh, okay, we're on an epic fantasy journey. Everyone's got their things. Okay. Vox Machina was like better written family guy. <laughs> and it's like that. the two are not equivalent. I feel like I missed something. Yeah, because I would say that they very much are equivalent, especially when you look at what things the fans remember or bring up or quote all the time. So Maybe it's because I'm just an old curmudgeon and I like my fantasy epic and dramatic. Which is which epic. is fine. I'm just telling you that there are other properties and IPs that are closer to the thing you're asking for. Where the hell are they? That is the whole point of this goddamn conversation. Not very well known, which is my point at the beginning. <laughs> And maybe that's it. And again, we keep circling around without finding an answer why people will show up on the couch, but they won't go to the movies to see something that honestly would really work on the movies because epic grand battles look great on a 30-foot screen with surround sound. Do they have to be epic grand battles? Is that part of your... I feel like that's your uh, your war historian and fan of, of war movies creeping in. I mean, it is. But you like... know what people remember about Lord of the Rings? The Ride of the Royal Hiram. Really? Because when I think of Lord of the Rings, what I what I remember is basically everything with Samwise Gamgee or Gandalf fighting the Balrog, which is a one-on-one -on -one thing. That's and, still the Balrog's still pretty fucking epic. 
Yeah, but I'm just saying that it doesn't have to be armies, I think, to fall into this. I mean, the Kingkiller Chronicles doesn't have an army in it, and it's one of the best fantasy books currently around. I guess, put it more in this way. What do I get added if I go to a theater and I see it in surround sound on the giant screen? What is added to the experience of two people having a conversation versus what is added to a huge sweeping, you know, landscape scene with the flapping of the banners and the armies marching and the grand epicness of it all. I, I can agree with that. I've made the comment before that some movies don't need to be seen on the big screen because you're not getting anything different from that versus a television set. So yeah, I totally get and behind that's, that. That's, that's what I'm focusing around is like <coughs> movies whose setting or worlds whose setting is benefited and added to by this grand epic display is existing on the small screen and not making it to the big screen. And it basically seems to be no one's willing to take a risk on these lesser known properties anymore. Maybe that part's true. I mean, we still have Harry Potter movies being made terribly, but they're still being made. So. Oh God, heat death of the universe. <laughs> yeah. But my point there is just that again, they're getting made when they're not risky. At least when the theater, when the, the studio doesn't think they're risky. Would I love to see the King Killer Chronicles turn into a movie? Yeah, I would love that. I think they'd be better as a show. I think most of these kind of things would just be better as a show. So that's hard to say. Yeah, no. And maybe that's that's the reason. We aren't getting the big epic fantasy movies because it turns out these things work better as TV series because they are character-driven and you need time to explore these stories. One of the things I'm loving about The Rings of Power is like reading a really good book. And that's really working to its favor. It's like, oh no, I can just kind of sink in and enjoy all of this. Well, it was funny because when I was watching 3,000 Years of Longing, I literally, it was about halfway through it, and I literally thought to myself, I'm liking this, but I think this would be better as a book, and I don't know why. And then afterwards, I Googled, oh, it was a book. And maybe that's why I got that feeling, that vibe. So. Yeah, and maybe that's the answer. Lord of the Rings worked on the big screen because it has these big bombastic moments that really wouldn't work shrunk down. But most of the other ones, it's a long, meandering story that's best told in pieces. Well, let's, let's take a moment here to think about, okay, big action set pieces, especially militarily, are things that I have not seen work in books myself. Example. We've read together the first, what, five books in the Horus Heresy series of Warhammer? I know you've read more, but that's how many I've read. And I said over and over again that the scenes that generally were not interesting to me were combat scenes. Now, that would be the kind of thing that a big screen in a movie could probably elevate, make more interesting. Because I love me a good action film. I love martial arts films. I love stuff like that a lot. So those are probably another good example. I mean, yes, that's an excuse to be like, make Warhammer properties into fucking movies and shit, but that's a kind of property that I think fully fits into what you're discussing there. Now, getting an audience to the point where they will accept the setting, I think is a little bit of a different question. Yeah, no, I think the answer kind of ultimately is epic fantasy works best when it's able to be plotted out in, you know, chunks, like a book, rather than condensed and put up on the big screen and that's why we aren't getting these big epic fantasy movies this lord of the rings was a miracle because when you look at the other ones that came out around it didn't really work so well and i said for the longest time before i got tired of harry potter the harry potter movies weren't good they were just giving the fans more of what they already wanted well some of them are good the third movie is legitimately good and i think eh, even then yeah, I, I think the third movie is legitimately good. I think the sixth movie is legitimately terrible. But that's a whole different conversation. So, 
And you can also say that Lord of the Rings was already being filmed like a show. The fact that all three movies were filmed together and then broken up into three parts meant they filmed it closer to, at least in release schedule kind of thing, like a show with just three episodes of very long episodes. So, Yeah, no, I think ultimately that's the answer, is when you take thing properties that are largely based on books and book series, it doesn't translate to film the same way it does... When you can go, all right, this chapter is going to be about two episodes. This chapter, well, it's only going to be half an episode because it's 90% walking. Yeah, and I would say that that's not a hard limitation. Of course, there are book adaptations that work very well, but I think it does, it is easier to parse in a show format. I don't know if that's the reason why we're not seeing the kind of movies that you want to see. Again, I think it's, to me, the conclusion, or not the conclusion, I still think it's just because they're not in vogue. They're not very popular in the general audience, and the general audience isn't us, you know? So... I when you look at the number of fantasy streaming shows, I think they are popular. Yes, and but they a, are in vogue. But a fantasy streaming show has a different access point, meaning that the people who are fans of that can generally access it way easier than going out to films in mass. Where that's it's the same kind of internet thing, where like ease of access means that, especially widespread access means that if you've got a fan base that isn't concentrated anywhere, they can all still, quote-unquote, show up to your thing. And so I think that's easier to accomplish with streaming services than it is with a, with a theater experience. Yeah, and there is the thing of theaters, we have num- hard numbers. Streaming services, they make them up as they go. Also true. All right, then. I think we reached a very slapdash conclusion, but I'm blaming everything on our guests that didn't show. That's fine. We're going to be a little short this time, but... At- that's all right. <laughs> if anyone made it to the end of that, I will be amazed. Fair, fair. I'm sick, and I'm, I'm, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> this is what we are like. I'm more unfiltered. This is us with the podcast gloves off. All right. Well, cantankerous and bickering like old people. A little bit. I I don't think that you're. I don't think that Ulrich is wrong at all. I just think that there are, you know, a lot of factors. So, and I, literally the only reason we got cantankerous is I was like, I don't agree with your definitions and we need to figure out what those are before we can have a proper conversation. So. And you decided to have it in the middle of the goddamn recording, not before the recording or the lead up to the recording. That's, that's fair. But I think that's fun that way. So <laughs> like I said, this is the most us version of the podcast we've probably ever released. Anyway, if you're listening and you have some thought or how do you feel about the presence or lack of of epic fantasy movies? Do you think it is a real thing? Do you think it's not a real thing? If you think it is or not, why? And tell us so that Ulrich can add it to his... his, uh, Either he'll tell me about it later because it'll agree with him or they'll they'll agree with me and I'll never hear about it probably. So... (laughs) At this point, I don't think I care after the end of this recording. It was just a thought I had. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well then, that takes us into our suggestions of the week, and sorry, I haven't done a whole lot of stuff recently. I've been working on models, actually, and getting a, I bought a kill team for Sisters of Battle, the Novitiates, which is cool, but I've been doing a lot of Warhammer stuff and Total War, and I've already recommended all that way in the past, so you know what? Bricky, the YouTuber, just put out a video this last week, it's like, like 40 minutes, where he goes through all 20-ish of the main Space Marine chapters, the ones that are directly from a Primark, and talks about what they are, what they look like, and what their general vibe is. So, go watch that. It's fun. Alright. I'm going to shout out a podcast I started listening to in preparation for 
the rings of power which is a podcast of the ring um this has proven an incredible resource for both me getting excited for the rings of power and being able to follow the rings of power because there are lots and i mean lots of lord of the rings podcasts breaking down the lore and the whatnots and everything leading into and most of them are very dry and stuffy and kind of hard to get through this one is unique in that one of the hosts is an expert he knows the book i can't pronounce with all the letters the um, yes I, I i can say it in my head i cannot pronounce make my mouth say it okay um he's read it front to back he knows it the other co-host knows lord of the rings from the movie she saw so he broke down like all right these are the key elements of the upcoming stuff that you know are going to be interesting and she can ask all the kind of you know questions i would ask like wait a second who the hell is that and why does his name sound like the other person and it was a really fun lead up into in that i kind of understood when people like hey keller brimbor i know who you are i know why you're important that's interesting because of this podcast and it takes what i would describe as trying to eat a stack of saltines in that dry and difficult which is how i would describe reading this book and makes it easy to comprehend okay and best of all, they're a relatively new podcast, so you can either go back and listen to all of the you know important lore episodes leading up, or you can jump right in where they do episode breakdowns of all the episodes of the show thus far. All right, sounds fun. All right, well, if you've made it to this long, rambly, incoherent mess, thank you. Please do not judge us too harshly. We're typically more professional, but... Or judge us really harshly. I'm fine with it. <laughs> He's sick. I'm surly. What can I say? I'm not going to ask you to share this with your friends because that would give an improper representation of what this podcast normally is. That's fair. But if you are listening to this, it must be on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or the Fireside Lights.com. <laughs> anyway, and thank you for doing that. And if we're listening to us on Spotify, you can rate us. But maybe Ulrich doesn't want you to rate this one. I think it was fine, but... You know, rating helps. Magic of the internet. You know. As always, it's been Lord Commander Ulrich. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.